5: Time to play the game! It may be the night
0: time. But the
2: sports talk doesn't stop. Sports
4: talk radio that's live,
2: local. And not
0: for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is.
4: You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And
0: pretty much always right.
4: Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio
3: 92.9 The Game.
4: Welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chakras Show. Hanging out with you in the Key Studios on this Wednesday evening with you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take the Alexa speakers. Take your tablet. Take your Atari 2600. Your Etch-a-Sketch. Your Square Reader. Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go social media is at nine two nine. The game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As always, best way to follow us is through our personal Twitter pages. I am at J M C H three one six. That is your water cooler talking points, three to six months in advance. Day day is producing the show. He is at D D D Lewis for real. Um, day day, I got suspicious login attempts. I guess on in on my Twitter page today. They sent me a notification that. This was from and this they literally tried to log in like 8 or 10 times. Um this was from and I'm going to I'm I'm going to screw this up. Vilnius, Lithuania. That's v- where
5: the that person was at.
4: V I L N I U S and the country is Lithuania. Um they say the location is approximate based on the login's IP address. Wow. So, so um, someone
5: overseas wants to be JMC. I
4: guess I, <laughs> I I I don't know what I have that would be of interest to anybody. Honestly, um, certainly you know not my radio profession. You know, I mean so, um, but anyway, uh, so yes, I was I was they they tried to log in about eight or nine times, and uh, I did change my password. Um, don't you hate changing your password? Because
5: yeah. I, are, are you one of those
4: people that has? password that you have the same password for 10 different things
5: no i'm not one of those but the problem is like some stuff like like social media like my stuff stays logged in on my phone so like i don't often like have to re-log into it so i forget the password so when stuff like that happens it drives me crazy because it's like you know put your old password in and i'm like i don't remember it
4: well and that's why to be honest with you I, I have a lot of similar passwords okay. or, or they're, they're sort of variations right. of them, right? And so I can usually remember, like, okay, if it's not this one, then it's this one. If it's not gotcha. that, it's this. I mean, so, you know, there's a, it's a it's all based upon a variation of password. Right. And so I can usually figure it out. It may take me three or four tries, but I can usually figure it out. But I changed my Twitter password to something completely different, like completely different and random from um, anything that I've done from on your Twitter. Normal. Yeah, yeah. So, so I had to log into. I didn't have to log into my phone. They kept me logged in. Um, you know, they just they just switch it over. But everything else, I had to on the on the computer in work in, in here tonight. Like you have to log on to your Twitter, and uh, then they keep sending me notifications about. Um, there was a uh, what, what is it? They say they. There was a login to your account from a new device. Well, not really. It's not new. It's right. my work computers. But they recognize it as a new device because I'm usually always logged in So, uh, to my phone. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah. So yeah, I was. Uh, they, were, they were trying to get me from Lithuania. Wow. So I, I don't know if I have any relatives over there. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that I do. I, I don't know that I've ticked off anybody. I don't know that there's a girl I dated from Lithuania <laughs> that I ticked off. I mean, maybe... Maybe I just didn't realize right, it or right. remember it, but anyway, well, speaking of um, trying to get one in listen, the, the Braves and Dodgers uh, tonight, um, Bryce Elder, of course, uh, on the mound for the uh, good guys. Um, Tony Gonsolin is on the hill for the Dodgers. Uh, he's been really good, Two and one with a one ERA. Obviously, Bryce Elder has been spectacular. 3 and0, 206 ERA. Can we beat the Dodgers once? You know, we've struggled the last couple of years to beat the Dodgers. I mean, they've we've not really handled our business against them the last couple few years. Now, again, we got them in the playoffs when it mattered most, right, to get ourselves into the World Series, right? We got, we got the ultimate victory. So I'll take playoff series victories versus regular season series victories any day, any time of the week. But we have struggled against this team. They have had our number. And it really hasn't mattered if we played – in Truist Park, if we've played them on the road, in Chavez Ravine, really hasn't mattered a whole lot. They've been always able to beat us. And, you know, again, they've had a really good regular season record the last few years against us. So hopefully the Braves can salvage a win out of all of this and at least get a little bit of momentum as we go into tomorrow night, right? And now we get to see the Philadelphia, uh, I should say, let me, let me say it the proper way, full doleful fool. Get to see Philadelphia tomorrow night. So that will be fun, our first chance to see the Phillies this year, Bryce Harper and crew. Um, obviously, they are trying to get some things done. I mean, you know, they were, they were seven games back uh, when we started this Dodger series. They're only six and a half back now. So they've done nothing but pick up a half a game, even though the Braves have two losses in a row. And even though the Braves are four and six in their last ten, they still can't make any hay. And nobody in the division is making any hey, the Braves still have the biggest division lead of any division in baseball. They're up four and a half games over the Mutts. Mutts are 25 and 24. Braves are 29 and 19, even going four and six in the last 10 games, even losing two in a row. So even with all of that, so far, Philly, New York. I guess Miami, but I don't really count Miami as a true Major League franchise. They're not going to compete for anything. But Philly and New York have not been able to really gain some ground um, in this division. Um, they, they have the biggest lead of any team in any division in Major League Baseball. So um, it is a testament to how good and how deep the Braves have been, especially that road record. That road record just stands out like bright neon lights, 17-7 and seven on the road uh, this year. Now, maybe some good news. Michael Soroka had arguably his best minor league start so far. So he got, I don't don't think he was at 100 pitches, but I think he was in the 90s. Pitched really well. Obviously went kind of deep into the game. So you feel good about that. Now, I don't even know, and I don't think anybody really knows, a real timetable for when Michael Soroka will be back up with the club. Here's what I'll say. I would way, way, way rather on the side of caution than I would be to rush Michael Soroka up. With all due respect, 29-19 and, and the biggest divisional lead in baseball, um, I can live without Michael Soroka if I need to for a week, two, three, whatever. I can live without him. I, I, want, him, I want him that when he comes back, he can resemble that guy from a few years ago. Not a guy who, you know, comes up, makes a start, three innings in, he's fatigued, then the next start he gets hurt. I, I don't want that. I would rather err way on the side of caution with Michael Soroka, given the fact that he hasn't pitched in three years, right? And pitched in three years. So, at least at the major league level, he hadn't had a start in three years. So, I will err so far on the side of caution that – you know, I, I'll I'll keep him. If, if they think it's going to be a day or two, I'll keep him a week. If they think it's going to be a week, I'll keep him two weeks. I, I I will keep him down there for as long as possible and not have to call him up just to make sure that he is really ready to go and he's ready to rock and roll. Uh, Falcons start their invo- – uh, what is it? Their voluntary OTAs, voluntary OTAs. Um, Saw a lot of clips of Calais Campbell um, talking about, you know, how he wanted to be here and all this good stuff. I mean, look, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I, I love having Calais Campbell on this roster. There's nothing about having Calais Campbell on this roster that is a negative or a downside. It's All up arrow positive, right? So OTA is getting underway from Flowery Branch. Um, you know, listen, are we going to learn anything? Probably not. But it's just good to see the Falcons. Good to see this new look Falcons team get their sea legs under them and obviously, you know, just you know, get get back to playing some football, right? So um, again, we'll 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 talk a little bit more about in the Falcons fly over some of the different things that are going on. Now, um, and we'll talk about more about this in that's life and everything like that. But RIP to Tina Turner. So I guess Tina Turner died, what, earlier this afternoon? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um, how old was Tina? In her uh, 80s? I think it said
5: 83.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I think she was in her 80s. So, you know, we'll, we'll get more into this in That's Life. But, you know, she was not a spring chicken when that whole, um, you know, What's Love Got To Do With It song yeah. came out and all that. I mean, that was, that was obviously the revival. I mean, Private Dancer was the name of that album. Mm-hmm. Um, that song, do you know who that song was written by, Private Dancer? No. Mark Knopfler, who is the guitarist and lead singer for Dire Straits. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he wrote that song. Um, so again, she was not a young woman when her, you know, refound success all broke loose, right? I mean, look, yeah. her and Ike were soul singers in the 70s and all that, Proud Mary and all that good kind of stuff, but she was not young when when the What's Love Got to Do with It craze hit and you know, just completely, I mean it completely revitalized her career. Like yeah. that private dancer album just it's a great album. It sold millions upon millions of records. What's Love Got to Do with it, it was a number one song, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just it was and she might even want a Grammy for all of that. Yeah. And
5: wasn't was that her first solo project after because of everything she was going through just to get signed I don't think that and it was everything? her I
4: don't think it was her first solo album, actually. I looked that up, but I think that Tina Turner had one or two solo albums before Private Dancer came out. Um, and I don't remember them, um but it does seem like that after her and Ike went separate ways that she, she was had, just kind of yeah, that she had a couple of solo albums, but they didn't hit, and then along comes nineteen eighty four and what's love got to do with it? and that would be her signature song for her career. I mean, no matter how many hits that she had, that would be her signature song forever and a day, huge number one hit, and I think it won a Grammy too i think I think it won Grammy for like Song of the Year. And all that. So, anyway. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up the phone lines. Because I have a question. And I, and I want some answers to this. 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Day Day is back there producing the show. He'll answer your phone calls. What should we expect from Jesse Bates this year? Obviously, the Falcons paid him a crap ton of money as their highest priced free agent. But what should we expect from Jesse Bates this season? Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios. We'll take your phone calls next. Sports Radio 910
3: The Game, Odyssey.com app.
4: Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Ray Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening with you. Uh, 404-726-0929. Asking the question, what's your expectation from Jesse Bates this year? Obviously, the the Falcons' highest-priced free agent. What's your expectation for Jesse Bates this year? All right, a couple of house-cleaning things here. Um, What's Love Got to Do With It uh, received three Grammy Awards in 1985? It was the record of the year. It was the song of the year, and it was the best female pop vocal performance. Um, so there you go. It was a it was a Grammy uh, winner. Day um, day. Yes. You, did you hear? Did you just hear this ad for this new show that Arnold yeah. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. FUBA, FUBA. <laughs> uh, okay. I, and I know. I know. It's. Is he the ultimate cartoon character now? At this point, like, has he gone full gimmick? <laughs> like, he is—he's fake Razor Doink, <laughs> TL Hopper. Like, he's a gimmick now.
5: Yeah, pretty much.
4: I mean, honestly, like, I mean, again, you know, I'm the governor. I'm the governor of California. You know, again, he's gone full gimmick. This this episode is going to terminate you. Like, everything's a gimmick with this guy. He sounds—he—he he sounds like a walking gimmick. The only thing he's missing is either a toothpick in his mouth with a slick back hairdo, or clown makeup on, or a hockey
5: stick for the being the <laughs> goon. Like that's what he is. He's a full gimmick now. You know what's always—I've always been curious about, like, why his—not I, I in a bad way, but like, how is his accent still so thick all these years? Yeah, you
4: know that—that that is interesting because i mean you know what look there are a lot of people who think stevie wonder isn't blind
5: <laughs> right right right
4: uh, okay right you think he talks like that at home
3: <laughs> i'm the governor <laughs> right, of cali right, i'm
4: the right. of california <laughs> i'm going to governate you <laughs> right like do you think he talks that
5: way at home his grandchildren or do, you, like or do you think
4: he's like oh, boy, I can't believe that people <laughs> fell for this. I can't I can't believe anybody believes my accent anymore. <laughs> right. Like, honestly, I I, I agree 100% with you. Because what? He,
5: I mean, he hit the states in, what, the 70s, oh, right? Oh,
4: yeah, mid-70s. Yeah, because, I mean, again, he was in Pumping Iron and obviously Mr. Olympia and yep. all that kind of stuff. I mean, so, yeah, he was. He moved here in the mid-70s, I yep. think it was, and, um, and he's been here forever. And, look, yeah. all he's done is be like an actor and hang around – you know, Americanized yeah. people and stuff like that. You would think that his accent wouldn't be... Look, Mel Gibson, you know, Mel Gibson, when he did the uh, Mad Max movies, mm-hmm. you know, they had to dub his yep, voice in yep, they sure because did. he had such a thick Australian accent. Now, look, he was born in New York, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Mel Gibson was born in New York, moved as a child to Australia. But when they did the Mad Max movies, they had to dub in a voice because... His accent was so thick. Yep. And and again they did that with Schwarzenegger, I think with um uh Conan, wasn't it? Was it Conan? I think yeah. it was, was Conan. It Conan that yeah, they had to it was dub Conan. in. Yep. You know some some voice, you know, things because his accent was so thick. But you're right. Like it's still just a thick now. You know, it's yeah. 2023 <laughs> and it's still I'm the governor of California. I'm going to governate you. I'm I he's been terminated. Like it's it's a cartoon gimmick at this point. Yeah. Anyway, all right, 404-726-0929. Day days back there, answering the phone. All right. What are my expectations for Jesse Bates? Now look, again, I'll I'll say it like this, and, and I'll I'll try to be as charitable as I can with everything. Okay. I, I like Jesse Bates the player. I don't have anything against Jesse Bates, but Jesse Bates needs to be one of those guys that you draft and all of a sudden becomes an outstanding player. Not a $14 million guy that stands 10 yards away from the line of scrimmage. And that's my problem with it. You know, we can, we can talk about being, you know, great at the line of scrimmage and all this, that, and the other, but when you don't, you know, again, did, did the 49ers need Javon Hargrave? No, but they invested, 40, they invested $84 million in him. Why? Because they want to be great in the defensive line, just like they always are. They, di- they didn't say, well, we can, just, we, we can just not pursue anybody. We've got enough people here. No, they went out and got the best defensive, you know, defensive line, interior defensive lineman in free agency. There's a reason why teams stay on top. And, and, again, I think Jesse Bates is a really good player. Three years ago, he was the best safety in football. 2020, in the pandemic, he was the best safety in base in a football Is he that now? He's not going to sack the quarterback. He doesn't get lots of interceptions. You know, on a team, by the way, that the Bengals sacked the quarterback plenty of times. They signed Lance Hendrickson from the Saints, and all he did was come in and set the franchise record for most sacks in a season with the Bengals, right? That's the guys that influence your, your team. And I just, I like the player, but I, 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 Jesse Bates is a guy that when your defense is all fixed, that's the kind of guys you sign or you draft guys like Jesse Bates. Do I think he needs to be a first or second team all pro player? Yeah. Yeah. If he's going to, if he's going to influence the game, if you're going to sit either Hawkins or Grant in lieu of Jesse Bates, he needs to be a first or second team all pro player. Because we've got draft capital invested in our two safeties. One's a second-round pick. One's a fifth-round pick over the last couple of years. And I thought that those guys, I thought, and, and especially if you had a chance, if you have a chance to work with Jerry Gray. I thought Jerry Gray, if he laid some hands on those guys, could make them even better. Remember what he did for Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas? Remember when he was the defensive backs coach for the 49ers, for, sorry, for the Seattle Seahawks, when they had that whole thing called the Legion of Boom? Right? Where was Dan Quinn? Oh, he was in Gainesville, Florida? Oh, Jerry Gray was in Seattle. Dan Quinn was in Gainesville. Jerry Gray was in Seattle. There's your difference. There's your difference, folks. So I really, would, I really hope that Jerry Gray certainly could have coached up all of our safeties. And that will be Jesse Bates as well. But I, I just, when, when I see that our highest priced free agent player is a guy that stands ten yards away from the line of scrimmage. Well, he can come up to the line and all this and stop the run. okay. I mean, all right. Again, we're back to stopping the run or, you know, we're back we're back to we're back to uh Kyle Pitts being a blocker. Well he blocks really well. Okay. That's why that's the fourth round pick in him, right? So he could be a good blocker off the edge or whatever like that. Oh boy. Oh boy. as, as Jim Cornette says Oh, boy. So, anyway. Um, but, no, I, I do think that he needs to be a guy that is a first or second team all pro. You paid market price for him. Wasn't like he signed a – wasn't like the Caleb McGarry deal where he signed for below market value. He got full market value. What, what, what is he, the fourth highest paid safety in the NFL this year? Okay. I got no problem with that if he's that kind of player. I have no problem paying a guy, but they've got to influence the game. Where I have problems is when you give Ray Edwards and Dante Fowler and guys like that a whole bunch of money, and they don't influence a single part of the game. They don't influence anything defensively. That's where I get into the the sideways issues. And hopefully Jesse Bates will be a guy that pays huge dividends for this team. I I think he's a really good player. I I think he's one of the better safeties in the NFL – He was certainly the cream of the crop, and I don't know what the competition was at safety, but he certainly was the cream of the crop when it came to signing safeties. And he was not pretty much, by and large, I mean, all the information was is that he was not going to re-sign with the uh, Bengals. They had almost two years to negotiate a deal with him. This was not a situation where it's like the Lamar Jackson thing where he was always going to be a Raven no matter what. No, Jesse Bates was going back and forth with the Bengals' brass for almost two years, and we know the Bengals don't want to pay guys. And I can tell you, honestly, the Bengals probably looked at the idea of, okay, we're going to pay Jesse Bates a crap ton of money, and we got this guy under center. What's his number? What's Burrow's number? Eight? Joe Burrow, eight? But they're looking at Jesse Bates and saying, okay, we can invest heavily into a safety or we could put all that money into Joe Burrow right burrow's 8 right joe burrow's 8 just go to pro football reference so yeah so again we can we can pay a jesse bates and maybe overpay at a position that doesn't influence games as much nine okay or we can pay a gazillion dollars to number 9 who's basically been the biggest transformation of our team as to why we're good now, as to why we're one of the best teams in, the, in the, uh, all of the NFL and going to be a perennial Super Bowl contender moving forward. So the Falcons did not get any kind of hometown discount or, you know, uh, a guy who fell in their lap or whatever kind of analogy you want to make with it. He was a the guy they paid full market price for. And I hope that he can, you know, influence the game enough. I don't know that with a safety that you point to specific numbers, this many sacks, this many ints, or things like that. But we have to see him be a big influence on football games. Maybe he does come up to the line and go and sack the quarterback. Maybe that happens. He didn't have, I don't think he registered a sack last year. Uh, let me see here, real quickly. Jesse Bates hold please So come on come on come on come on come on. Jesse Bates had he had eight passes defended, one forced fumble, 71 combined tackles, one tackle for loss, no quarterback hits, no quarterback sacks. And um, uh, didn't score a safety or anything like that. So in 16 games, he had four INTs and no sacks. So, again, if he can be an influence on the game and be an influence, you know, for what this secondary does and with a Jerry Gray at the helm, it's all good. It's all good. But I I just need to see it. Again, it's another guy that I think he's going to be really good but can he influence games? That's, that's what I want. I want guys who influence the outcome of games. Not just put up stats. Not just accumulate, you know, hollow numbers. You know, not just not have people bragging about, well, you know, he got 1,026 yards in 17 games and scored two touchdowns. Not hollow numbers like that. I mean, really and truly game-changing plays, influencing a football game, directly tied into what's the outcome going to be. All right, when we get back, Jake Fisher is going to join us. He is the uh, senior NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. Get some thoughts about the Atlanta Hawks. We'll also bounce around uh, the entirety of the NBA. Jake Fisher up next. Chuck Rina, Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 910 on the Game, the Odyssey.com app.
3: Sports
4: Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show, live on this Wednesday evening with you. Is Well, we thought we maybe uh, would have the NBA Finals uh, set uh, here. We got one team in, but uh, the Celtics did win last night over the Miami Heat to extend that series a little bit longer. So we'll uh, see what happens. But we head out to the wadeford.com hotline. We talked to senior NBA reporter from Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, At Jake L. Fisher. Jake, appreciate the time. Thanks for a few minutes here in Atlanta.
3: You got it. How are things your way?
4: Well, we are good. Um, Let's talk about this franchise first and foremost with the Atlanta Hawks. How busy of an offseason do you expect the Hawks to have? I mean, look, this has been a couple of years of kind of in the muck in the mire, and we do have some good pieces, but Something is just not working. I don't know if it's just all coaching, but something is not working here in Atlanta. How busy and active do you think they'll be?
3: Well, I'll say this. We've been expecting John Collins to get moved for it seems like three years now. And every cycle, the trade deadline, the draft, it's been you know communicated to myself and reporters elsewhere and to rival teams that he's going to get moved, and he hasn't. So I'm never going to count my my Hawks chickens until they hatch, But I, I will say that there's definitely a sense around the league and an expectation even that the Hawks will be active and, and on the phones and curious to explore various opportunities. I mean, they've got new leadership in tow now with Landry Fields. Really, it seems like he's got the, the lead, you know, front office chair kind of, you know, on stable footing now and they're they're flushed out a front office with some additions and Quinn Snyder's been able to get his footing. So that, that, that group, that nucleus, they part of those guys Landry's been around for a while, but they didn't put together this team exactly like this with that leadership structure in place. So just naturally speaking, I think we'll definitely hear Atlanta uh, mentioned in a lot of early trade chatter, just a matter of what deals they'll actually be able to get done.
4: Do you think that they got the right guy for head coach given the dearth of championship caliber coaches that, you know, came up on the marketplace now where teams are just not willing to give some of their, you know, coaches a chance to get some things right? Do you think they got the right guy here in Atlanta at head coach?
3: I think so. And I'll say further that I've even asked the question to Quinn Snyder's, you know, associates and friends of his people who work with him, if maybe – Quinn might have taken the job too soon with the quality of other jobs that are open. And actually I got pushback on that from people saying, you know, he was dead set on waiting out the whole year and he had a whole European vacation plan that he cut short to come take this job. Um, He's got ties to the Atlanta area. Um, I think the opportunity to work with someone like Trey young, to work with a new young executive in Landry Fields and build something kind of, from, like, the ground floor up. They're not, like, a rebuild by any stretch, but um, they've got an opportunity here for Landry and Quinn basically starting in their respective, you know, leading voices um, pretty much along the same timeline uh, to kind of shape this thing and their image together. I don't know if Quinn would have had um, a more attractive situation than that one. So, I mean, the quality of coach he is and the fact he would have been very much at the top of a lot of these other teams' lists, I think it even further adds to the reasoning why Atlanta wanted to do this, too, because he was the top guy on their list, and they made sure they went out and got him uh, before what they expected to be a crowded marketplace in the coaching uh, landscape. But I think it's even more crowded than the Hawks were anticipating at the time being.
4: Senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher, joining us here on the waitfor.com hotline. And with that, you know, everybody we've talked to, I've talked to the beat reporter for the Jazz. I've talked to the play-by-play voice of the Jazz. I mean, obviously, we've had lots of NBA reporters on. I'll get your thoughts about this as well. Do you think that Quinn Snyder is going to have a real hand in player personnel and the way that this roster shapes up?
3: So, I don't think that he has the proverbial final say that gets rumored about. I mean, to be honest, I don't truly know. And I don't think we'll really know until this off season gets underway because in the heat of battle at at trade deadlines and the draft war room, ultimately whoever has final say is whoever the owner fully believes and trusts and and takes their word most into account when like the clock is ticking. So I think all that's really to be determined. I don't think it necessarily matters that much because I do think that Landry Fields has a ton of support They built a big front office that um, has a lot of guys that are close with him and seems like it's a really close-knit group that's all kind of moving in the same direction. So I think Quinn's Quinn's a part of that. I think, you know, he has a big, strong uh, connection to Kyle Corver and that connectivity I think will be very key in, uh, you know, just having that relationship between the front office and the coaching staff. I I don't think – I think Quinn has a bit of an outsized reputation – That might be a little unfair, someone who wants to, like, come in, swing in his elbows and pound on the table to demand certain things. I think he just wants his impression to be felt and and his voice to be heard. And I have no doubt that's the situation in Atlanta right now. Let's
4: bounce around the league uh, a little bit, Jake. Um, Obviously, LeBron James and, uh, you know, the Lakers, we'll see what happens there, if he's going to retire, if he's going to play for another year. I mean, when do you think is going to be – the thing that LeBron James, when when he does hang it up, is it bottoming out as a team? Is it his skill set is just not there anymore? Like, what do you look at when you see LeBron and and decide about when it's going to be the the end for him?
3: I think the goal of his, of playing with his son, that's been pretty repeated to me as his number one objective. Um, Sure, competing for a championship as well, but think that's what he really wants to do so I mean, at a minimum he's going to have to play out this contract um reach next season um this extension that kicks in this year um for the 23-24 year and then 24-25 year that pays him basically 100 million over two seasons so i i understand he's probably exhausted and he's 38 he's been nursing a foot injury that's really doesn't sound like it's been comfortable to play on I and mean, he's probably facing a, a a long summer of off-season rehab. Um, I understand why he finally kind of let the dam break and say that he's been thinking about retirement, but I I really am not expecting it to be something until that 24-25 season, 2 years from now, the second year of this contract after that to kick in when he has the chance to either play with his son Bronny he's going to be spending next year as a freshman at USC, or at least play in the league at the same time as him.
4: Jake Fisher, senior reporter for uh, Yahoo Sports, covering the NBA, joining me here on the waitfor.com hotline. One team I'm very fascinated about is the Philadelphia 76ers, and of course, you know, they they are in the Eastern Conference here, and obviously, you know, look, the, the, the Hawks have had their battles with them over the years, but... You look at Embiid, and, and he's the MVP of the league, right? And he's been a tremendous player over the last few years. Harden kind of is just, you know, the the mystery X factor. They've tried different lineups. They've had all kinds of different personnel that they've been able to bring in. They thought they had the right coach and Doc Rivers and all this, that, and the other. Where is that franchise? Like, what, like, where are they at now as far as what they're going to do? Because nothing that they have tried has really advanced them even as far as a lot of other franchises it just doesn't seem that there's something that has worked in Philadelphia
3: yeah I mean the direction is really going to depend a lot on two things this summer one who the next head coach is going to be after they fire Doc Rivers because I do think there's a big chance that um, Mike D'Antoni is the ultimate outcome there who obviously coached James Harden to an MVP level in Houston and has strong connections from that time with Daryl Morey, who's now the president in Philadelphia. And then what does James Harden do? Does he go back to Houston? That's been long rumored. Uh, does he stick in Philadelphia? I'm starting to believe he does stick in Philadelphia. Um, so does that ultimately all impact Joel Embiid and his desire to stick around in Philadelphia as well? So those are the two things. I think we'll know a lot about their direction based off of the coaching Decision being that Mike D'Antoni would bring uh, clear offensive pick and roll heavy spread the floor style, um, which hasn't exactly been Joel Embiid's favorite way to play, and it'd be a different look than what they're doing now, feeding him the ball at the high post, feeding it to him at the low post, um, versus you know a defensive coach like Frank Vogel or someone like Nick Nurse, who's got a loud voice and a strong personality, who you know kind of wore out his welcome with a lot of players in Toronto. So I think all those things will be very important in shaping the direction of this team.
4: So one of the other big decisions is going to be, and this ties into a guy you know, from the Atlanta area, is what's going to be the status of Jalen Brown. Do you think that the Celtics are ready to break off that $290 million Supermax extension that he is uh, going to end up being due? Or do you think that they are going to eventually part ways with Jalen Brown?
3: The way he's played in these Eastern Conference finals, I don't think any team would be super uh, excited without any doubt in their mind about paying him that $300 million, you know, roughly contract. So, we'll see. I, I, it's it's still very early. I mean, the series is still obviously ongoing. A lot can be uh, determined here if, 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 you know, the Celtics turn things around and Jalen Brown's, like, the key of it and he gets back to how he was playing against the Sixers. And, I mean, a lot could change. But right now, being kind of a no-show in this series, um, I, I do wonder. I mean, teams like Portland and and Atlanta, I think, would be looming. Because that's not to say that teams aren't interested in him. I, a lot of teams would be interested in Jalen Brown. I just don't think a lot of teams are necessarily itching to pay him, you know, 290 or whatever his – the final numbers of his max extension can get now that he made it on the team. So we'll see. I, I think it's, I think we'll definitely be hearing his name this summer though, no matter what about Boston's appetite, because those, I mean, those rival teams are going to be calling I and mean, those teams are calling. It's going to get out in today's world. I'll hear about it. Other reporters will hear about it and we'll be talking about it. So I do expect to hear his name. I just don't know at this point. I think it's too early to handicap whether or not he has a chance of getting moved.
4: Last question for you Jake. Um, you know obviously Denver and Joker uh, Joker's been arguably one of the better players, you know probably top 4 or 5 players in the entirety of the NBA, multiple time MVP. But what has been the difference? Why why have they finally kind of broken through that glass ceiling where, you know, again for years they were kind of okay, a really good regular season franchise couldn't get it done in the playoffs. What's been the difference about Denver now getting to the NBA finals?
3: I mean, Jokic is Jokic. Jamal Murray, people forget, was at the top of his game at this level in 2020 before he tore his ACL. They traded for Aaron Gordon at the 2021 trade deadline, and we're looking like a juggernaut then. They were 8-0 before Murray tore his ACL and was out basically for the last two playoffs. Um, Another key move was the Contavious Caldwell-Pope trade this summer when they sent Monty Morris and Will Barton to Washington for him. He's been a perfect piece. And Bruce Brown might be the best sixth man in the league coming off the bench, a huge rage and signing for them. So I mean, I think the Nuggets just have such a deep cohesive unit from Jokic and Murray to you throw Michael Porter Jr. in there, Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bruce Brown, that might be the best top six in the NBA. And they've been the best team in the Western Conference all year long. I'm not surprised they're back at the Western Conference, you know, championship level. Obviously advanced past that now that's where they were when they were at full strength last, and I think they're even better than they were when they lost to the Lakers in the 2020 Western Conference Final.
4: He is the senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher. Join me here on the WaitForIt.com hotline. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Jake L. Fisher. Jake, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes uh, in Atlanta. We look forward to talking to you again soon. You got it. Take care. You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 92 on the game and the Odyssey.com app.